your vulva and your vagina has a self-cleaning mechanism. If you had something at home that could clean itself, would Mm. you clean it anyway? No. Inbuilt, if it's inbuilt, baby. Exactly. No, no, no. So you don't need to wash it. You don't need to steam it. You don't need to put yogurt in it. Um, <laughs> any of the other nonsense that you'll, you know, that you'll read out there. It's Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah. I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. And I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Now, a very unglamorous side of exercise that no one ever really talks about is the impact of sweat and friction and synthetic fabrics on your lady parts. Your hoo-hoo, your uh, your bajingo, whatever you want to call it, or as it's known in medical terms, your vulva and vagina. Ooh, fancy. We'll look at how to keep things healthy down there and what are some of the things to look out for. You know, it's funny, like when we were talking about doing an episode on vaginal health, uh, the the one story that pops into my mind, I don't even have any idea where this came (laughs) from, but once upon a time, I'm talking like more than a decade ago, someone told me at some point that cyclists struggle with ingrown hairs on their butt because they're sitting in their seats for so long. I'm talking cyclists who are, you know, Damn. cycling hundreds of kilometres at a time. <laughs> exactly. They're sitting in their seats for so long. Their uh, hairs on their butt um, grow inwards slash ingrown hairs, I guess, grow inwards and wrap around their tailbones. And I have, I have kept that weird anecdote. It's a hell of a visual. (laughs) I've kept that in my mind for more than a decade. And I've, you know, never really thought about it too much, but just occasionally when you see those groups of cyclists out on the weekend, they go, I wonder if their butt hairs are (laughs) wrapping around their tailbones. Anyway, I Googled it today in preparation for this episode to see if there's any evidence for it. There's not. It's absolute bullshit. Yeah, there are, you know, there's things associated with being saddle sore and all that kind of stuff. And obviously ingrown hairs down there are a thing. But no, they're, they're cyclists' butt hairs do not grow inwards and wrap around their tailbones. That is going to mess with your Google algorithm. <laughs> do not take a close look at Gab's search history. <laughs> it's so- on your work computer. <laughs> no, thank God I did it on my phone. I did it on my phone. Oh, hilarious. I mean, I'm just going to get served up like those, um, those like lacquer pants that have the butt Oh, yeah, like the the, the comfort thing or something. I think that's what I'm going to get from now on. Anyway, luckily I'm not in charge of the science for this episode (laughs) when talking about a healthy hoo-ha. Sarah, what do we need to think about when it comes to good vaginal health? All right, so your vagina, everyone's vagina, is look, it has its own ecosystem. It is not, nor should it be, a sterile place free from bacteria and yeast. It's a... microbiome. It's a wonderland of beautiful bacteria and microorganisms <laughs> that help keep your vagina healthy. So correct pH and, and a lot of what we're going to chat about today comes back to maintaining correct pH in your vagina and, and around the vulva. That's really important for good vaginal health. So vaginas should be slightly acidic. Oh, acidic. Acidic. So you need a slightly sour vagina. <laughs> um, but don't worry. We're slightly doing... sour vagina. 
<laughs> sorry. Yes. We're going to struggle to get through this episode I if I can. <laughs> sorry. That's right. We're talking about the same acidity as a tomato. Oh, so okay. we're not, you know, we're, we're not grapefruit level acidity. <laughs> Tomato level acidity, but that acidity is really, really important to keep the balance of good and bad bacteria, to keep yeast at low levels, and and really just to keep the vagina functioning in a in an appropriate way. Okay. Without maintaining a healthy pH is when that balance of good and bad bacteria is going to get all out of whack and you're going to get a proliferation of yeast or an overgrowth of certain bacteria that can lead to things like discharge, itchiness, um, rashiness and general misery. Yeah, that none of those things sound good. No. Okay, so one thing that's very common, and I know that I've definitely had this, especially when I was uh, younger in high school and doing lots of swimming training and spending lots of time in mm. my togs, yes. uh, sitting by the pool waiting for my race, that kind of thing, thrush. All right. So talk to me, talk to me, Sarah, about thrush. Thrush. <laughs> so thrush is really, really common. Um, it's not a sign of poor hygiene. And if anything, I see it much more commonly in women who are being perhaps a little bit overly fastidious about their vulval and vaginal cleanliness. Oh, so too, trying to get too clean down there. Too clean down mm-hmm. there, absolutely. So it's estimated about 75% of women will experience some will experience thrush at some time during their life. Mm-hmm. Vaginal thrush is caused by an overgrowth of the yeast candida, candida, however you wish to pronounce it. This yeast lives naturally in your bowels and in small numbers in the vagina. And it's, look, it's mostly harmless and it's kind of just hanging out there, doing its thing, and it's only really when these numbers increase that you'll start to get some symptoms of thrush. Which, and I'll jump in with the symptoms of thrush that you have written here so perfectly for us, and also because I have literally experienced this myself, uh, vaginal discomfort, itching or burning, a thick white discharge with a cottage cheese appearance and yeasty smell, yeah. redness or swelling of the vagina or vulva, splits in the genital skin, stinging or burning while urinating or during sex. Yeah. So just, uh, just a horror show all it's, around. Really. Look, it's it's just misery, uh, and uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned swimming because again, anything that's going to kind of strip the healthy bacteria that you know the good guys that are keeping the yeast at bay, like a chlorinated pool, like a chlorinated <laughs> pool, um, it, it's you know chlorine is going to mess with your pH, and so when that pH gets out of whack, that's when you are going to be more prone to to a yeast infection as opposed to yeast just just being one of the good guys that's hanging out in small numbers. So if you're someone who, uh, you know, hasn't had or hasn't gotten thrush from sitting in their togs for long periods of time, mm. uh, why do? what are some of the other reasons why women get thrush? So absolutely antibiotic use. So oh. when, you're, when you've been given a course of antibiotics for whatever reason, it's going to knock out some of the, the good bacteria and, and allow the yeast to, to take over. Being on the contraceptive pill and, and theoretically other hormonal treatments may well change the estrogen levels and when you've got a little bit more estrogen kicking about, then again, it seems to just make a really nice environment for for yeast to thrive in. Uh, Pregnancy can absolutely do it, kind of same reasons as hormonal contraception. You've got a lot of hormonal changes going on, uh, some fertility medications, but also general illnesses like diabetes, iron deficiency, which is so, so common in women, um, and immune system disorders can have an impact on your body's ability to kind of keep these infections or keep keep the numbers of these yeast 
under control. Mm. So diabetics typically are going to be way more thr- prone to thrush infections than, than the general population. Also, if you've got vulval skin conditions, so if you've got a bit of eczema down there, then that, again, it just it sets up an environment where, where thrush can proliferate. And, uh, and sometimes, look, the truth is sometimes we just don't know. Yeah. Sometimes we just Why? simply yeah. don't know. Yep. But it's and I think in those cases it's probably a bit of a perfect storm. Yeah, of a few different things. Okay. So how do you actually prevent thrush? All right. So tip number one, something that I think all women know and have been told this a thousand times. Wipe from front to back. Front to back, baby. Yep. Front to back. So a lot of this, a lot of this yeast is going to be kind of sighted in the anus. So if you're wiping from back to front, you may well be introducing it to the you know, to the to the vagina where there's less thrush, and then it can it can kick off. Um, avoid using soap to wash the air. I'm going to say this a thousand times during what? this episode. You shouldn't wash with soap. So you can wash your body with soap by all means. I mean, I'm not a big soap lover. Full stop. I'm way keener to hear that people are using soap-free washes, pH balanced washes. Okay. Soap is soap is really alkaline. Yep. And so that's going to mess with your pH levels of your vagina. But you just, your vagina is a beautiful self-cleaning ecosystem. It's a, <laughs> and, it, and it's self-cleaning. So you don't need to aggressively wash that area. And, and often what happens is that, you know, women start to notice that they've got a little bit of this cottage cheese discharge. Obviously, that can be pretty distressing and yep. they, they feel a bit gross and they're like, oh, God, this is awful, and start, you know, Overwashing, Overwashing yeah. overcleaning, and it's just the yeast are like, awesome, thank you. We've got the perfect environment now to go mad. Just go nuts. Oh, my yep. God. So just washing without soap, I mean, it's, oh, gosh, it's like, So literally you're in, the, you're in the shower, just give it a little bit of a dabby-doo. Yep, that's it. That's it. Dry, dry off. Yep. Cotton and underwear, that kind of thing. Exactly, and I would go as far as to say that it's also really important to think about the other, kind of the other chemicals that you're using in the bath or the shower. So if you're using really harsh shampoos and conditioners, whilst you might not necessarily be using them directly on your vulva, um, if they are kind of, you know, trickling over you and each day just by association that area is getting kind of hit with with caustic substances, then you are going to just remove the healthy bacteria that keeps things in check. Oh, no. Stop shampooing your vulva. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) And not just shampoo. No antiseptics. Do not douche your vulva. It is not required. You don't need any perfume sprays down there. And especially, tip from a GP, you don't have to do anything special to your vulva and vagina on the day that you go into the GP to have your pap smear done. <laughs> yes. Just are bring you sure? It, just bring your beautiful bits in as they are. We don't care what they look like, smell like, whether you've got a landing strip, what the hell is going on. We're just interested in you not getting cervical cancer. Yes. Okay. Well, all those, well, yeah, huge, huge tip there. Yeah. Also, no perfumed toilet papers and uh, and also perfumed menstrual products. So just kind of keep it simple. Okay. So what, uh, just just out of interest, what are you washing yourself with in the shower? Do you have a product that you recommend? What am I washing myself yeah. with in the shower? Yeah. That, like, I, that's, so, is, that's soap-free? I was going to say, this is non-sponsored. I use QV uh, soap-free wash. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's unscented. I have reasonably sensitive skin, um, but it's, you know, again, if you are quite sensitive and you've got, you know, eczema or dermatitis, then it's, yeah, it's cheap. It works. It actually lathers up. You feel clean. Yep. 
but it's yeah, pH Soap-free. neutral. Yes. Okay. pH neutral is what we're aiming for. All right. Talk to me about bacterial vaginosis. Did I get it right? You did. You did. Bacterial vaginosis. BV. BV. Ooh. Yeah. BV. So most, yeah. As, think, as we in the medical community like to well, Also, I think, <laughs> I think it's, again, it's really common. So I think a lot of women will know what that term BV is. So bacterial vaginosis is caused by an imbalance of the bacteria that are normally present in the vagina. So thrush, yeast, yep. bacterial vaginosis, bacterial. Um, in women with BV, the normal healthy bacteria, particularly bacteria that include lactobacillus, are replaced by an overgrowth of other mixed bacteria. There's particularly one which is called Gardnerella vaginalis. That sounds terrible. What is that? <laughs> look, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's only terrible if you've got way too way much, too much of, it. of it. Just and calm down with your Gardnerella. Yep. Yes. <laughs> And so when you've got uh, when you've got this overgrowth of bacteria that's when you'll start to get symptomatic bacterial vaginosis. Okay, what are some of those symptoms? Hit me. All right. So this is, you know, women will present to GPs with this all of the time. Uh, it's a watery white grey discharge from the vagina. And uh, and it usually has quite a strong odor. So women will come in and just say, "Oh my god, like it smells fishy down there. There's something weird going on. I've got this, you know, I'm, I'm noticing that I've got quite kind of a wet, you know, wet panty liner or, or I'm needing to wear a panty liner when I don't normally. Um, yeah, a, a fishy, malodorous discharge. Okay. Pretty unpleasant. Yeah. To discover. Yes. Yeah. And it's, though it's not dangerous or particularly harmful, it's, it's not something that most women want to rock. No. <laughs> and uh, especially to come to someone, come to a doctor and and ask for help with that because then obviously do you have to do an exam in that situation just to double check? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so there's exactly. a lot of things. And, and I think a lot of women will come at that point because they're terrified that it's a sexually transmitted infection. Right. Okay. Which strictly it's not an STI in the in the, in the the true sense of, of STIs being an infection that you have got from a sexual partner, but it's Interesting that it is way more common in women who are sexually active, whether they have male or female sexual partners, than uh, than those that are not active. Interesting. Okay, so how do you get it then? I mean, you sort of covered a little bit with the sexy yeah. times. Yeah. Any other we, ways you might be able? We don't know. Well, it, it's again, it's it's it no doubt has a bit to do with your vaginal pH. Ah. Uh-huh. So, so a lot it of those again. <laughs> it does. A lot of those same the same things that we discussed in in how to prevent thrush, mm-hmm. you know, not overcleaning, keeping your vaginal pH, you know, in the in that nice slightly acidic zone and uh and and definitely using using protection, so using condoms does seem to significantly reduce the likelihood of developing BV. This is one of the reasons why women are often terrified that it is an STI is because often it will occur after they've had sex with a new partner. Ah, right. And so then they're And they're like, oh, my yep. God, yep. I've now got this discharge. Yeah. What's happened? And I have to ditch this person. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> there's a problem there. No, none of those things. But there are a couple of times, you know, even though BV is for my, in the most – most commonly, it doesn't require any treatment. It's self-limiting. You know, it kind of will balance itself out again. There are times when it's important to seek treatment for BV. Firstly, if you are worried that you've got an STI, go and get an STI check done. Mm. It's easy. It's simple. The vast majority of sexually transmitted infections are easily treated. Um, but also, if you're going to have a medical procedure that could allow bacteria into the uterus, 
So, for example, if you're getting an IUD inserted or removed or if you're having a termination of a pregnancy, you want to make sure that there's not a lot of this bacteria there at that time. Um, if you're pregnant, so if, uh, yeah, particularly if you are in the later stages of pregnancy, in theory, BV could uh, cause early onset of labour. So have a chat with your midwife or your obstetrician. Um, and, and ultimately, if it's affecting the quality of your life, if it's, you know, if it's getting in the way of your sex life or you just really hate the fact that you've got this discharge or this odour, go and have a chat. There are ways to treat it. Awesome. I like to hear that. Uh, what else have we got in the way of, um, what are we talking, um, healthy or unhealthy uh, vaginas or vulvas? <laughs> yes. Um, so one thing that I think is often a source of worry for women is group B strep or streptococcus. Um, it, it's typically something that they don't need to worry about too much, but they might find, you know, they've, they've gone in for a, for an STI check or for a swab of their vagina because of some discharge um, or it comes back on a routine urine sample mm-hmm. um, and then they get a you know they get a phone call to say you've got some group B strep there and, uh, and they'll freak out. Yeah. But the truth is that group B strep or GBS as it's often caused uh, called is just it's a normal bacterium which is carried by about somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of all adults um, commonly in the gut or for women in the vagina um, and for the vast majority of these people, it causes no symptoms, it causes no problems, and it doesn't necessarily require any treatment. So you'd really only pick it up if, yeah, you'd, you'd done a test, like a urine test or something yeah. like that, and, and then it's like, oh, there it yeah. is. And look, if it's if it's in the urine, then I think it's worth treating because it could just be a low-grade urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes if it's picked up on a, you know, on a vaginal swab and there's no symptoms you're probably just one of the 20 to 40% of people that carry it in their vagina. It's no it's no biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important just to kind of have a think about it for women, particularly in later pregnancy. So most in Australia, it, most women when they're kind of at the 35-week mark of their pregnancy will have a high vaginal swab possibly combined with a rectal swab because GBS can also be carried in the rectum. And, uh, and if it's identified at that late stage of pregnancy, then it's important that there's a plan in place to stop vertical transmission of group B strep from an otherwise you know, healthy, robust immune system of an adult to an immature immune system of a newborn. Mm, okay. So, yeah, but it's, it's really treatable. Like it's, a, it's antibiotics. It's generally treated with penicillin. Um, but like I said earlier, we don't want to just throw antibiotics around, um, not just because of antibiotic resistance issues, but we keep giving women antibiotics, they're going to get more thrush. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Instead of um, if we just kind of focus on... Is it causing an actual yeah. problem? Is it is it causing symptoms or disease or is there a threat to this? Because the truth is we're all covered in bacteria. Our vaginas are full of them. Our noses are full of them. We're all just little beautiful microbiomes. That isn't that so funny you say that and I'm like, ooh, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've like we grew up in the era where like bacteria is yes. bad. Germs are the worst. Germs yeah, are bad. Ninety nine percent germ free with yeah, yeah. Mr. Sheen or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Germs and are bac- necessary. <laughs> bacteria is inherent to your survival. Well, is I mean, that's it's kind of why we're going to see or we are seeing a really awful flu season is because everybody's been shut up inside for two years, really, and our immune systems 
haven't been yeah, we've got, subject to the usual kind of colds and flus yeah, and bits well, and pieces that we would normally get. Our immune systems are far more naive than they would be in a usual winter. Yes. Mm. Naive is a good word. How dare you call my immune system naive? <laughs> it's very well informed. Um, okay, so that is GBS. GBS. GBS, okay. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, circling back to the... The anecdote at the start of this episode: oh, yes. of the cyclists on their on their bikes and their ingrown butt hairs, mm-hmm. um, ingrowns and cysts. I mean, yep. not specifically talking about the cyclists and their butt hairs, um, but I but think we've discussed that. the cyclists' butt hairs enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but just in the general vaginal region for women, yes, quite a common thing. Super common, super common. So friction will definitely increase your chances of developing an ingrown hair, even if you're not doing anything, anything. else okay. down there. Um, but shaving, look, shaving is, uh, look, it's it's common. Go for it if you're into it. But if you are shaving, you will be more prone to ingrown hairs. Make sure you always use a fresh, fresh, sharp razor. Don't share your razors. It's kind of just one of those things for me where I'm like, who is sharing razors? Sharing? Yeah, but I guess but, people, people yeah, might be. But, uh, yeah, people might be. Maybe people have way more open relationships with their partners than I do, but he can have his. I'll I have got mine. mine. <laughs> um, I've got my own ecosystem going on over here, dude. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting that curly-haired people yep. are more prone to ingrown hairs than people that grow straighter hair. So, so for a second, yep. I, th- I thought you meant straight ahead pubes, and I was like, I was just imagining people with this like super straight, <laughs> super straight pubic hair regions. You mean like GHD <laughs> straight, <laughs> ironed, ironed perfectly straight, like Chewbacca down there? No, no. So you mean people with like straight or curly hair yeah, on the top of their head? That's right. Curly and, and people, people whose <laughs> how do I say this politely? People whose pubic hair is much, much tighter curls. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So not just kind of like a bit wavy curly, but like really, really, really tight curls. More prone. Way more prone to developing ingrown hairs. And look, most ingrown hairs don't require any treatment. Um, If they start to become a bit red and sore, you can use a hot compress so you could have a warm bath and often that will just kind of help to untangle and and loosen things up. Um, If it becomes red and sore, then you may need an antibiotic ointment, um, in which case, you know, something like Bactroban, which does require prescription, but you can just apply a little bit of that ointment and and often that will fix it up. If it's become quite significant and now you've got, as you said, like a cyst, so a big ingrown abscessy type situation going on, that might be a time that you do need some oral antibiotics. Look, sometimes it might even need to be Incised and drained. Ooh, incised and drained. That's one of your favourite things as a doctor, isn't it? No, (laughs) not mine. (laughs) Really? Because it's part of me that would be like, ah, let me at it. (laughs) No, no, there's a reason why. Slice and dice. There's a reason I work in fertility. (laughs) I mean, look, I've I've, I've done my years of slicing, dicing and incising and draining, but you can keep your pus to yourself. So you're you're not Dr. Pimple Popper? Oh, good grief. Good Lord, no. no. I mean, I can I can stomach it, but I just don't understand Dr. Pimple Popper as, edu- like as entertainment. What the? It's a TV show now. Oh, so um, but, yeah, so mostly self-limiting. If it's starting to get nasty, think about an antibiotic ointment. If it's really, really sore, go see your GP. You may need some antibiotics. Okay, last on my list of questions to ask you about mm-hmm. how to keep a healthy vagina healthy yes. or vagina healthy. Uh 
we've seen this one a few times pop up over the years. Um, it, uh, I, I think it sort of, I mean, it, I don't know if it stemmed from Goop, but it certainly was pop- popularised by Goop. Should we be following the advice of Goop slash Gwyneth Paltrow and be steaming our vaginas? What do you think? What do you think <laughs> you're going to say? No, no. The short answer is no. As I said before, your vulva and your vagina has a self cleaning mechanism. If you had if you had something at home that could clean itself, mm. would you clean it anyway? No. Inbuilt no. if it's inbuilt baby. Exactly. No, no, no. So you don't need to wash it. You don't need to steam it. You don't need to put yogurt in it. Um <laughs> any of the other nonsense that you'll, you know, that you'll read out there. Look, essentially this, you know, for me it comes down to this. Wash your nether regions with plain old-fashioned water. Dry yourself with a cotton towel. Wear cotton undies. Don't spend time in your sweaty active wear once you've finished your workout or in your wet cosy after you've been for a swim, particularly in chlorinated water. Um, Don't steam. No yogurt. (laughs) Don't don't wash. Just, like, leave it to nature. Your body knows what to do if something is unusual. So if you've got new discharge, new pain, new rash, absolutely go chat to your doctor about it. But if everything is going well down there, you actually don't need to do a damn thing. That's incredible. It's so funny because we've been, I mean, I guess it's it's probably a symptom of, yeah, so many different things, the patriarchy and, and how women should be, you know, should, damn should, the patriarchy. Be, should be viewed at what they should be doing, how they should be, you know, keeping themselves, yeah. all that kind of bullshit. Um, but, yeah, the idea of that, 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 like, yeah, that, yeah, you don't need to use perfumes and, no, and fancy feminine no. products and, you know, fancy yeah. soaps, you know, scented products, anything like that. You just need to, yeah. a little bit of maintenance, very simple, no soap. Yeah. And the rest will look after itself. It's it's literally, literally listening to you say this is the first time I've ever known that. Like okay. In, at, what am I, 36? <laughs> I didn't know any of those things. I knew, I knew wipe from front to back. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. That's, yeah. yeah. So wipe from front to back, keep it clean. Don't do too much else. And get out of your sweaty gear as soon as you can. Oh, yeah, definitely make that mistake all the time. Oh, yeah. All right. I think we're um, vulvaed out. Ah, I'm vagina to goo goo. (laughs) Hoo-ha! The Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for listening and sharing our little pod. Again, I ask you every week, but if you can take a quick screenshot and share it to your stories, that'd be marvellous. Doctor's orders, baby. Yes. Doctor's orders. Also, our fantastic pelvic floor physio is still coming up, but unfortunately, like most of the planet, she has COVID at the moment and we wish her a very speedy recovery, but it does mean that you've got some extra time to get your questions into us about all things pelvic floor and all the things that you're too scared to ask Otherwise. Yeah, especially, you know, considering we've just done a whole episode on vajayjays. Vajinas. 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 Yeah, I, please send us your questions, womenlikeyoupodcast at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram as well. Uh, and also Sarah writes a brilliant newsletter every single week. I learn so much from it every time I open it in my inbox on a Tuesday. You can subscribe to that if you want to get it, uh, womenlikeyoupodcast.com. <laughs> Sorry, I got the giggles at inbox. In- <laughs> After an episode of vaginas, everything's going to be that way, isn't it? Yes. Down there. 
Um, I'm a very serious doctor. I find none of none of this. None of I find none of this hilarious. <laughs> anyway, I don't find it hilarious when it's in my office, but I do find it kind of funny when I'm with you and you're talking about your inbox. <laughs> um, I'm Sarah and I'm Gab. Uh, thank you so much. That was a brilliant um, episode, and I have learnt so much from you just in asking you about vaginas, really. Well, that is my pleasure. We both have one, so we should understand them and not steam it. No statement. No yogurt. Nope. Nothing. Nah. All right. I love you. I love you too. See you next week. In your inbox. (laughs) 